All right, I want to start with uh, Scripture. So let's, let's just go ahead with that. Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. It's NC. Now I go, this is Paul speaking. Now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testif testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul had a calling from God, a ministry that he wanted to finish. He wanted to run his race and finish it. And this ministry was to testify to the gospel of grace. Oh, amen. People say, well, we need to move on from grace. Paul, that great apostle, he did not share that opinion. Paul did not want to move on from grace. Amen. Paul's ministry and calling was to preach the gospel of grace. And over the years, I've heard people say things like, you know, grace is wonderful, but we need to move on now from grace. You know, that's the grace of God. It's, that's the milk. That's the milk of the word. But we need to move on to more maturity. Amen. We need to move on to maturity. We need to eat the meat of the word. How many of you have ever heard that? Some people say that, well, we're saved by grace, but we're sanctified by the law. How many of you agree with that? <laughs> Probably no one here. People say, well, grace is, is good, but you know, we have to speak about other things in, in the church as though grace is just some topic that we speak about on occasions. But the biblical reality is that grace is the new covenant. Grace, grace is what we preach. Amen? Law is the foundation of the old covenant. Everything that everyone did had to go through the law. People's relationship with God was based on the law and their performance to keep the law. So the old covenant, the foundation, was the law. In the new covenant, the foundation is grace. Amen. Everything we do comes through grace. Amen. The way that we relate to God, the way that we get saved, the way that we relate to God all comes through grace. Grace is not just a message, it's the very foundation of the new covenant. Amen? It's not just some topic that we talk about. Grace should permeate everything that we speak about. There's nothing in the New Covenant that we can speak about that is separate from grace. Everything must come through the context and the foundation of grace. Our application of the Word of God must come through grace. For example, you cannot... Receive and walk in the love of God unless you understand the grace of God. If you think that God's love to you is based on your performance, then you will not walk in a deep revelation of God's love. In fact, you will doubt 
whether God loves you. You will struggle to receive the love of God. But when you understand, He doesn't love me through my performance. He loves me through Christ's performance. Through what Jesus did for me. Through His perfect, finished work. That is how God loves me. He loves me through Christ. He loves me through grace. And it's like that with all the other New Covenant doctrines. You cannot understand them and you cannot apply them unless you understand them through grace. Through the foundation of grace. Amen? Amen. So we don't need to move on from grace. We need to move deeper into grace. You don't move on from the foundation of grace. You build up on the foundation of grace. Amen? Amen. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Oh, by the way, let me just say, it doesn't mean that every week we need to preach a grace message. It doesn't mean that we, we need to preach on grace every single week. But everything that we preach... <coughs> needs to come through grace. It needs to be centered and grounded and founded in the grace of God. Otherwise, we're going to be distorting the Word of God. We're going to be mixing it with human traditions and old covenant principles. Amen? So we don't have to preach on grace every week, but everything we preach, we need to make sure it is full of grace. Amen. That our words are full of the grace of God. Colossians 4 verse 6, it says, Let your speech always be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Ephesians 4 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Amen. When you get up to preach, whatever you're talking about, let it be full of the grace of God, that it might impart grace to the believers, that it might impart God's favor, that it might impart God's ability. Otherwise, we're just giving people principles and trying to manipulate their behavior. Well, what's happening with this mic? Maybe turn, turn me down just a little bit. It's too much grace coming through this mic. <laughs> 2 Timothy verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 24 to 26. It says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, in humility, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Gentle to all, able to teach, being patient and in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another. Oh, praise God. That's a good notion right there. And you know that religion is not very kind. 
Religion bites and devours. Jesus is kind. Grace is kind. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Galatians 6 verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass or sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I'm talking about your words being full of grace. Even when you come into a grace revelation and, you know, those pastors down the road... They haven't got the revelation you've got. And you want to go and tell them how legalistic they are and Pharisees. And, and then you say you turn into a grace Pharisee. You start judging them and condemning them and talking about how amazing your revelation is and how slow they are to catch your revelation, how amazing you are. No. Grace should make us gracious. If you're walking in grace, let me tell you, you're a gracious person. You're not judgmental. You're not harsh. You're not haughty. Look at my. You're not puffed up in your own revelation. I've got the latest revelation of grace. Oh, I'm a bit bored. I'm a bit bored with grace now. I need to come up with something more spicy. You've got to watch that. You've got to watch that desire to come up with the latest revelation. I don't try to come up with the latest revelation of grace. I just, I, I, the, the Word, the Word of God is full of revelation. It's full of truth. It is awesome. Just stick to the Word. Otherwise you'll end up shipwrecking your faith and extending grace beyond the Scriptures, getting in some crazy theology, like some of the stuff going around the world today which we might address tomorrow in our Q&A session. But what I'm saying is that grace should make us gracious. Be patient with people. And if people are in opposition of you, what do you do? Do you debate? Do you fight them? Look at these scriptures. You're wrong. Look at these scriptures. It says be patient. Be humble. Yes. In humility, correct them. It's okay to have some healthy debates and correct using the scriptures. But do it with humility. You'll have a much better chance of helping them to hear what they really need to hear. We're not in an argument. We're not trying to win an argument with people. We're trying to see their lives being touched by the love of God. We want to see them coming into the fullness of this revelation. Not because we want to win an argument. Because we believe... It is what the church needs. Amen? And so, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to move on from grace. The only time you should move on from grace is when you're moving on to more grace. Amen? The only time I'm ever going to move on from grace is when I move on to more grace. Because from, the, from His fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. And I don't ever want to move on from grace. I want to talk over this conference 
about five reasons, five crucial reasons why we must not move on from grace. Does that sound all right from you guys? For you guys? Yeah. Sound okay? Yes. The first one is because grace is what matures us. It's actually the grace of God that matures us. People say we must move on from the grace so we can go on to maturity. I want to say, if you move on from grace, you will never go on to maturity. You might go on to fleshy works, but you'll never go on to supernatural God ability to fulfill your calling in life and the calling that is on your church. It's the grace of God that matures us. People, they, they quote Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So they, they quote the scripture saying, you know, we need to go on to maturity. We need to leave the elementary things of grace and go on to maturity. But actually, the context that they that they putting that in is, is incorrect. It's wrong. You have to read a little bit earlier to find the context and Paul says, Paul says, uh, sorry, the writer of Hebrews says, um, who I believe was Paul. <laughs> he says, I want to speak to you about Melchizedek. Melchizedek is the high priest of the grace covenant. He says, I have many things to say to you about Melchizedek, but I can't because you're dull of hearing. You need milk, not solid food. The solid food he was talking about was Melchizedek, was the high priest of grace. He wanted to speak to them about the depths and the riches of grace and help them to get established deeper in grace. But they couldn't because they couldn't even understand. They were still struggling with their salvation. They were still struggling with assurance of salvation. He's saying we need to move on beyond these elementary teachings of Christ, the very first things that you need to hear in order to believe that you're saved and understand you're saved. We need a, you need to settle, because they, they were Hebrews that still had a, a law mindset. You are still dull of hearing. They had a law based, the veil was covering their mind. Darkness was covering their mind, making their minds dull. And they were living, these Hebrews were living under the law. And so one week they were performing well, thinking that they saved. And then throughout the week they sinned. And they thought, oh no, I didn't perform very well. Maybe I'm not saved. Oh, I don't feel saved. I can't be saved. I need to go and do something. I need to offer a sacrifice or something because I don't, I've sinned. I feel guilty. I don't feel saved. And so they come to church and they respond to the altar call again. Come down the front. I go, I've got to get saved again. How many of you have seen that happen before? When people are not sure, assured of their salvation, they always want to get saved. These Hebrews were struggling with their salvation. He's saying, you need to move on. You need to stop struggling with these very basic doctrines of Christ so that you can go on to maturity so that I can actually talk to you about some of the deeper things of grace. Wow. Of Melchizedek. I want you to go into maturity. And how? Through grace. Paul, that great apostle, he tells the Ephesians church, the Ephesians elders, the leaders of the church. See, this is a um, graceful leadership conference. And Paul, this great apostle, he tells the Ephesian elders... In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, 
He says, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul the Apostle, he knew he was not going to see these Ephesian elders again. And he, and he wanted to leave them in the hands of what? The word of grace. He didn't say, guys, it's time now to move on from grace. I've taught you enough about grace. Now it's time to move on. He said, no, I commend you. I commit you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. The word of grace builds you up and gives you an inheritance. If you want to see your people being built up, if you want to see the church being built up and walking in their inheritance, teach the word of grace. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 You guys are right? Not only does grace build us up and give us an inheritance, it's also what produces fruitfulness in believers. A lot of, a lot of people, they, they preach fruitfulness. You've got to be fruitful. Otherwise, God's going to cut you off. <laughs> John 15, you know. He's going to cut you out of the vine and cast you in the flames of hell if you're, not, if you're not producing fruit, which is actually the very opposite of what Jesus was intending to achieve through giving that. That, that, that scripture. He wasn't actually trying to put condemnation and guilt and fear on his disciples. He was trying to show them that I'm the vine. Trusting in me. Receiving from me. That is what produces fruit in your life. He was trying to get their eyes off of fear and off of performance and their eyes onto Jesus and to trust in him. And it's the grace of God that actually produces fruitfulness in our lives. How many want to be fruitful? How many want to see your people in your church being fruitful? It's the grace of God that enables people to actually bear fruit for God. If, if you don't rely on the vine and you rely on your own works, you're not going to produce fruit. See, you can get the church very busy and doing lots of things and you can rely on clever techniques and you can whip people up with the law stick you can make people feel very guilty you can drive them with guilt or you can put the law of blessings and curse on them if you don't produce fruit you're going to be cursed if you do produce fruit God's going to bless you oh so I better I better serve God and produce fruit so that I can be blessed that's not why I serve God I don't know about you I serve him because I love him I serve him because I believe in him I serve him because I have an eternal hope. I serve him because I have a new nature. I serve him because I'm walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Somebody doesn't need to tell me I'm going to be punished if I don't do something for God. Nobody needs to say, come on, twist my arm. Come on, you'll get a special blessing if you, do, if you just do some good things for God. If you go to church, if you read your Bible, if you witness, if you give, if you do all these things, then God's going to bless you. Come on. Ugh. No one needs to do that. I've got a new nature that wants to do all that stuff. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, empowering me to do that stuff, stirring Amen. me to do that stuff. Yes. No one needs to twist my arm to serve God. It's the grace of God. The grace of God that produces fruit, that produces true supernatural fruit. You cannot live the supernatural life God has called you to live in your flesh, from your flesh. From your ability, from your talents. 
from your strivings. It's too impossible what He's called you to do. Amen? It requires Him. It requires the supernatural. It requires His ability. Grace in us is God's ability in us to do the impossible. Yes. You cannot heal someone with your talents. I mean, you can if you're a doctor, right? But you can't heal incurable diseases. But God can. Amen. The supernatural can. He's called us to live a supernatural life. None of us can, can get anyone saved with our talents. With our clever little, wise little techniques. And if it's not God that transformed the heart through the gospel, through the spirit, they're not going to be saved. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 6 says, Which has come to you, talking about the gospel, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. When you heard, and not just heard, but when you knew, when you understood the grace of God, and it's, and it's all of its truth, it produced fruit, fruitfulness. It is bringing forth fruit. See, why should the church move on from grace? If, if, if you want to move on from grace, you're going to stop people from producing actual, true, spiritual fruit. Amen? Grace empowers us to work out our salvation. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling... <laughs> Work out your own salvation with fear, trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Firstly, it doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. Big difference. A lot of the church preaches work for your salvation. Make sure that you're saved. You need to earn, keep, or complete your salvation through your works. And you need to make sure that you do that with fear and trembling. You need to be scared. If you don't work it out, if you don't produce fruit, you're going to be cut off, cast into hell. How many, how many of you think that that's a really good motivator? The sad thing is there's so many people actually trying to do it. That's why we're preaching grace, to try to liberate and rescue those people from a life of dead works, from a life of fear, yes. from a life of religion. Religion kills people. The Re Religion is death. Amen? Religion kills people. That, that's, that's why we're getting equipped in grace, so that we can rescue people and bring them into the fullness of His life. Amen? Amen? We're not sitting here just like, you know, talking about trivial things. We're talking about things that can save people's lives. That can rescue the church from a ministry of death to bring them into the ministry of life. We're not working for our salvation. We're working out our salvation. Work out your salvation. Work out all the wonderful things that He has put in you. We were born again. We were saved. We were transformed. He's put His life inside of us the fullness of his riches and his salvation in us now we simply work them out 
We release them. We work them out through us. Amen? But he, he puts them in, and we work them out. He puts them in, and we work them out. And we do it with fear and trembling. That is not something we need to be scared of. That is actually a beautiful thing. Fear and trembling means I put no confidence in my flesh. I put no trust in myself. My trust is in God. Why? Amen. Because it is Him. He yes. works in me. Hallelujah. To will and to do according to His good pleasure. What is that? That's grace. It is Him who works in me. He works in me. His ability working in me to not, not just to want to do something, but actually empowering me to be able to do it. Hallelujah. And according to His good pleasure. His will. So many Christians, oh, what's the will of God? When you walk in grace, you need to walk in grace. Then you'll be able to walk in the will of God because He will be working in you. Paul, Paul, when Paul went to Corinth, he went to Corinthians and he preached the gospel in Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. He says, I didn't come to you with wise and eloquent words. He says, I, I came to you with much fear and trembling. And brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, but determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Why? And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. He didn't go to Corinth trusting in himself, trusting in his abilities. He went to Corinth fearing and trembling that he would not trust in his abilities, but that he would trust in God's abilities because it was God's power that, that broke out and lots of people got saved because of the Spirit's power. And he didn't want people's faith to rest on him, but he wanted it to rest on God. Amen. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling because we don't want to trust in ourselves to work out the salvation. We want to trust in God and yield to God and yield to His grace. And as we yield to His grace, He works in us to will and do according to His pleasure. He empowers us to do His will. Amen. 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 That is good. That is good. You'll never work out your salvation if you move on from grace. You might do a whole lot of busy things that look, you know, it looks like you're serving God, but are probably not true spiritual fruit and, and the things that are according to God's good pleasure. Amen? We, we want to see people walking in the will of God and in the supernatural act. Amen? Alright. Other scriptures showing... It's grace that establishes us and moves us on to maturity. It's actually, it's, it's in the Word of God. I love this. I've just, I've just decided I'm never going to move on from grace. I'm never going to stop preaching grace. People say, oh, maybe we shouldn't preach grace. You know, we should just preach Jesus. Well, I think, amen. We should, we should definitely preach Jesus. And we should also preach grace. 
Or, or we shouldn't preach grace, but we preach Jesus, or we must just preach the finished work. You know, I, I, amen. Let's preach the finished work. The finished work of Jesus, which is the grace of God. Amen. And, you know, no, no, we shouldn't just, we, should, we must stay away from grace. We must just preach the new covenant. Because, you know, some people have got a problem with grace. Well, I don't know about you, but Paul never compromised. Paul the Apostle never compromised. He, he greeted people with grace. He opened up his letters with grace. I greet you in the name of Jesus. And I have much grace and love, peace to you in Jesus Christ. And he finished his letters with grace. And everything in between was grace. Even discipline. When you do discipline, when you exhort people to serve God, it all comes through grace. Amen? And so... So, you, we've got to be wise, obviously, because some people have been put off by grace. Amen. Some pastors have been put off by grace because some people got a revelation of grace and then they went a little bit crazy. And they attacked their pastor and called him a Pharisee. And then they took like half the church with them and left. And so you wonder why that, that pastor has got an issue with grace. And, and you and I, we need to establish a really good example a really good model of sound grace theology, of solid grace theology, and, and an example of how grace makes you a responsible person, a kind person, a patient person, a person of amazing character, godly person, a faithful person, a person that honors authority and leadership, a person that knows how to submit to authority and leadership. A lot of these people, they, they get a revelation of grace and then they just run away from church and they run away from leaders. And they reject leadership. And then they go even more crazy. They really do. They actually end up shipwrecking their faith. They, and they, 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 they just remove all the, the reference points of accountability and authority in their life. And then the enemy comes and just throws them around, tossed to and fro like waves like in the ocean. they got no anchors. And they're getting smashed. And, and Paul actually says to Timothy, some of these people have wandered off and they've shipwrecked their faith. They, they, they're like boats that were traveling well, going, traveling on the journey, running their race on the journey, according to sound theology. And then they just left. They left the path. They left the light, the lighthouse. And they just headed off into the rocks, into the darkness and into the rocks. And they smashed their boat and they shipwrecked their faith. And uh, I know numbers of them. I used to be friends with some of them. And, uh, <laughs> and I warned them. And numbers of them today are actually atheists. They were once running hot for God. Now they're atheists. They don't even believe God exists. We need to set an example soundness, sound doctrine, sound grace theology, building the church with, with on, uh, uh, redeeming grace. Because a lot of these pastors and ministries that have been put off grace, they really need to hear grace. They really need to hear the fullness of the new covenant, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the finished work of Jesus. God is wanting to bring them into it. And there are some rebels and fringe fanatics that are putting them off yeah. and that have given grace a bad name 
And I'm not going to back off from grace and compromise and water it down just to help other people to palate it. No, I'm, I'm going to be wise in the way that I communicate, but I'm not going to compromise and back off. I'm going to teach grace in its fullness. Because that is what sets people free. That is what produces life and fullness in people. Amen. Amen. People don't understand me for a while. See, there's, there's some people, I'm not debating with them. I'm just showing them a lifestyle of grace. And they're watching me. And they, they're expecting me to be a rebel. And to be divisive. And if they watch me for long enough, they will see, actually, I love Jesus. I love people. I love the church. I love leadership. I love my wife. I love my children. I love the lost. I love the Word of God. I will never compromise the Word of God. I love it too much. Hallelujah. Amen. I love being faithful. I love honoring leadership. I love you. I love being confronted. I hate it, but I love it because I need it. I hate being confronted. But I love it because I need it. Amen. And if I'm going off a little bit, I need someone to challenge me. And if I've got this potential inside of me, but I'm not fulfilling it because I'm messing around in some silly thing, or I'm being distracted, I need someone to come and say, Hey! What cut in on you? Stop it. Come back. This is your race. Run this race. I need people. I need people around me. We need the church. We need community. We need people that can challenge us. Not just to condemn us and point out our faults, but to point out our potential and to hold us accountable to our destiny in God. Amen. Amen. We need to set an example of grace. Praise God. Yes. So there's a few other scriptures that talk about being established. It's the grace of God that established us. Is us. Hebrews 13 verse 9 it says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. It is good that the heart be established by grace. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace. Grow in the grace and knowledge. See, we don't move on from grace. We grow in grace. We grow up in grace. Amen? It's no, no point laying this amazing foundation and then we go and try and build the structure like over there on the sand. No, we, we build the structure, the church, on the foundation of the new covenant. On Christ, on His grace. Amen? Amen. Galatians 3 verse 3 is, oh, are, you, are you so foolish? <laughs> Talking to the Galatians church, Paul. How funny is Paul? Are you so foolish? <laughs> what happened to um, being patient, being kind, being gentle? Oh, you foolish Galatians. <laughs> I, mean, I often wonder like how he said that. It was like, oh, you foolish, foolish Galatians. Or it was like, oh, you foolish Galatians. <laughs> oh my gosh. You foolish, foolish Galatians. Like almost like little children, like, 
Oh, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? <laughs> I mean, those are pretty strong words. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? I think Paul was like a little bit, seemed a little bit upset, but he understood grace, and this came with such love. See, this was an apostolic father correcting the Galatians who were going off course. They were going back to the law. They were leaving the path of grace, of truth, new covenant, and they were going back to the law, and it took an apostolic father to confront them. These people that have walked away from fathers, the father comes to confront them out of love, like a father to their children who loves their children, and they say, oh, you're being legalistic. Oh, you're, being, you're condemning me. And they go further and further into weirdness. No, we, we need apostolic voices in our life. We need pastors in our life. You, as a, If you are a pastor, senior pastor, don't be afraid to confront people and challenge them. But do it with grace. Amen? In humility, with patience, with gentleness, in love. Can I say, the, the first approach is with a lot of gentleness, a lot of grace. If people are being a little bit more stubborn and resistant, you need to get a little bit stronger. Amen? And maybe a little bit more stronger. And if they are starting to hurt the flock, then you need to get a little bit more stronger. Amen? And protect. Grace doesn't make us weak. Grace doesn't make us wishy-washy. Grace doesn't make us abdicate divine authority. Grace doesn't make us abdicate our calling to be shepherds of the flock, to protect the flock from wolves. You've got a divine order and a mandate and a right to challenge and confront any wolf or anyone that is trying to harm the flock. And don't, matter, and don't, don't worry if people say, oh, you're just condemning me, you're, being, you're just putting guilt on me, you're just a legalistic teacher, you're just being harsh. Don't, don't listen to any of that rubbish. people need to be challenged and confronted and rebuked, you have to do it to protect the flock. Grace doesn't make us weak. Actually, grace makes us strong. Actually, grace puts fire in our belly. It doesn't make us want to be harsh and hurt people. It just fills us with God's love for people. I'm not going to stand around and let other people abuse the flock when, when it's my responsibility to stop that from happening. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Are you so foolish? Saying the Galatians. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Having begun. you begun in the Spirit. You were saved by the Spirit. And you begun in the Spirit. Now what happened? Now you're going back to the flesh. You're going back to the law. You're going back to works to try to perfect yourself. That's mature, maturity. Are you, you started in the Spirit. Now are you made mature through the flesh? According to Paul, that's foolishness. People say we're saved by grace, but we must be sanctified by the law. Paul would say, that's foolishness. You're being foolish. You started in grace. Now continue in grace. Because grace is what? perfects you and makes you mature and helps you to grow up and to be fruitful and to work out your salvation. The grace of God. Amen? Amen. 1 Peter 5 verse 12 By Silvanus 1 Peter 5 verse 12 By Silvanus our faithful brother 
as I consider him, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. We stand in the grace of God. We don't move on from the grace of God. We stand in the grace of God. Acts 13, 42. Acts 13, 42. It says, Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. It says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. After you've suffered a little while, may God's grace perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. I don't want to move on from grace. I need grace to perfect, to establish me, to strengthen me, and to settle me. Amen? All right. How are you guys doing? Going all right? How are you doing for time? Amen? What's up? <laughs> yeah? Yeah? So we got a bit of time? Okay, I'm going to start point number two. And then we'll probably only get through a bit of it. Because I want to do a little bit of ministry after it. Okay? I, I, feel, like, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do a few things here tonight. One of that includes healing. You leave the grace of God wants to come and minister healing to us tonight. And also there's going to be refreshing. We're going to, we're going to get the presence of grace in this place and get refreshed. We're going to get a lot of things tonight in His presence. So how many of you want that? Yeah. Alright, so I'll talk for a little bit longer and then we're going to have a time of ministry. Point number two. Everything is supplied to us by grace. Everything is supplied to us by grace. John 1.16, it says, from, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. From His fullness, from God's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Everything is supplied to us by grace. Romans 5 verse 2 says, Through whom also... We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have, we have access into the grace of God. Everything is supplied to us from His fullness. He's, he's given us grace upon grace. And we have access into this fullness, this riches, the riches of His grace. We have access into it through faith. Amen? So we're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace. And we receive it by faith. Amen. It's the grace of God that saves us. It's what Jesus did for us. Our faith doesn't save us. We didn't get on the cross and die for us. Jesus died on the cross for us. God, Jesus is God's riches at Christ's expense. So Jesus paid the price for us through the finished work of the cross. And we, we, we receive it by grace. Amen? And everything in the new covenant, we receive it. It comes through His grace, but we receive it through faith. Amen? Amen. Faith gives us access to what has been supplied by grace. 
What's been supplied by grace? All of the fullness of God. All of His fullness has been supplied to us. And we can access it through faith. Amen? The first one is miracles come through grace. <coughs> miracles come through grace. Healing comes through grace. And I want to say this. I want to stir and challenge you as leaders. Those of you that are leaders, which is probably all of you, at some capacity. We need to see more miracles in the church. We need to see more healing in the church. Paul said, I did not come to you with my wise and eloquent words. I came to you weakness and trembling and in a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith would not rest on my eloquence but on the power of God. We need to see more miracles. Miracles help us to reach the lost. Miracles set people free from death, things that are killing them. It's the love of God coming to people's lives. We just, we need to, how, how many of you want to see more miracles operating in your life? Yes. Well, I want to tell you now, the thing that activates those miracles is grace. Is understanding the grace, the finished work of Christ. Healing comes to us through the finished work of Christ. It doesn't come through our flesh and our performance. Amen? It doesn't come through works. Well, I'm sick because I sinned. Well, if I stop sinning, then God will heal me. That, that, is, that is not grace. That is works. Well, if, if you want to be delivered from that demon, you know, or delivered from that sickness, you need to go and confess every single one of your sins. And you need to make sure you don't forget one of them or God can't heal you. Because you need to confess all your sins and repent and ask God to forgive you. And you've got to be deeply sorry about it. And you really have to ask God, you have to be serious and ask God to forgive you. And, and then, you know, if you're lucky, he might just forgive you. But, he, but, he, but for a while, he's not going to like you very much for about three days. You kind of just have to carry your guilt around just because what you did was really, really bad. And God doesn't fully love you yet unless for three days you don't sin and you fast and you pray and, and you worship and you, and you help little old ladies across the road. And you give money and you evangelize. And then God will have fully forgiven you. And he will love you. And then you might be able to get healed. That is such a lie from the pit of hell. And I'm over-exaggerating it a bit. But that, that is the kind of theology that people teach about healing. When it comes to healing. And, and that, is, that is just works. That is not grace. It comes through the finished work. Of Christ. Amen. Supplied by His grace. Jesus did it for us. And we receive it through faith, by grace. And the more we actually understand the grace of God in this area of, of healing, the more we'll actually see an activation of healing in our life. In fact, we need to just shift our thinking about it. The, the, the church has got too much works attached to healing. Amen? You've got to go back, you know, starting from right now all the way back to the womb and confess every sin and try to get forgiven of every sin. 
then God will heal you. That's that's works. Now, you, if you want to get delivered of that demon, you you've got to like, you know, look at look in your past and see: Do you have Freemasonry? Do you have ancestral worship? Do you have you know idol worship? You got this and that. You need to like, you know, you need to renounce it. I, I didn't see Jesus doing that. He just said, "Go to the demons." With a word, and they left. I don't know about you. I don't do four-hour deliverance sessions. I mean, I'm not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you do that, and it works for you. But I don't see Jesus doing it, and I'm certainly not going to spend four hours wrestling with the demon. Not because I don't love the person, but I would rather just. If it's, if it's going to be four hours, something's wrong. Amen. I'd rather walk in my authority and understand my authority through grace and also teach that person about their authority. Amen. It's the grace of God that that activates miracles, the supernatural in our life. Because it all comes from Him. It doesn't come from works. We need to get our eyes off of works, off of flesh, off of performance. Get our eyes onto Christ. Look at Acts 14 verse 3. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace. <laughs> the Lord was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. How did God bear witness? To the word of grace. The word of grace. Bearing witness to the word of grace by granting signs and wonders. Miracles were happening because they were preaching the word of grace. And God actually wants to confirm his gospel. He wants to confirm the message of Jesus. He doesn't want to confirm works and law and legalism. He wants to confirm the word of grace, the gospel of grace, the finished work of Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross. He became your sin. He became your sickness. You didn't have to do it. He did it for you so that you can just receive it by grace through faith. You can receive forgiveness. You can receive healing. And it all comes through grace. Get your eyes off your works. Get your eyes off of your confession and repentance and endless pleading for forgiveness. Forgiveness, it's once off act. Done. You received it. You're forgiven. From now until the end of eternity, which is never going to end. Um, Acts 4 verse 33, Acts 4 33, it says, And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Isn't that wonderful? Great grace. Great grace was upon them all. Have you ever seen that in the scripture? Great grace was upon them. It wasn't works and law and performance that was on them making the miracles. It was the grace of God that was on them releasing the signs and wonders and the miraculous because God was confirming His message. See, I believe that Jesus' name is above every other name. I believe that everything belongs under the feet of Jesus. And there's no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus. Cancer is not greater than the name of Jesus. Amen. AIDS is not greater than the name of Jesus. Infirmity, sickness, you name it. 
Jesus is greater. Wow. Not only has He the power to save you, He's also got the power to heal you. Yes. Because He did it at the cross 2,000 years ago. And it all comes through His grace. This is the message that God wants to confirm. By enabling miracles, signs and wonders. Preach the gospel of grace. Preach the word of His grace. Preach that it's all available to us. All of God's riches, all of His fullness, all of His supply has been supplied to us, has been given to us through grace. And we simply receive it by believing. Amen. Not by working, but by believing. Amen. Acts 11.23 When He came... And had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue in the Lord. This is in Samaria. You know, there'd been mighty signs and wonders. God had confirmed his grace with miracles. And the apostles came up and they saw, and they actually saw the grace of God. And the grace was on them, and then he actually saw the grace of God. How do you see the grace of God? You see the operation. Of miracles, signs and wonders. You see, you see people preaching something, the truth that Jesus can save you and heal you, and then you see God confirming that it is true. He can save you and he can heal you, and people getting healed. And and lame were getting out of wheelchairs and demons were fleeing, and the cripples were being healed, and people blind eyes were opening and deaf ears were opening. And people you could see the grace of God was working. You can see God supplying heaven's riches, heaven's fullness to that community. That's why I love the church. The church is an embassy of heaven. Here on earth. To show planet earth what heaven looks like when it comes to a community of people. To show this world, give them a taste of what heaven is really like. That's why we call to grow powerful, healthy, strong local churches that are divine embassies of heaven. Showing this world what it looks like when heaven comes to a community of people. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no defeat in heaven. There's no demonic oppression in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. It's just joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom is. Now churches, as we preach the grace of God and establish people on the grace of God, then the fullness of God is flowing into that church. The riches of God is flowing into that church. The supernatural of God is flowing into that church. More and more overflowing. And the world sees what heaven looks like. Amen. Amen. Galatians 3, 3-5 3 It says, Are you so foolish? Here we go again, Paul. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Does God... Do miracles in you because of the law? Because you confess all your sins and you get right? And you, and you go back to the womb and make sure you confess every single one of your sins back to the womb? Does God move miracles amongst you because you do that? 
or simply because of, by the hearing of faith. Simply because of the Spirit, the finished work of Christ. That's what Paul was saying. Grace releases miracles. Hallelujah. Releases the supernatural. See, I don't, I, I don't see Jesus going amongst the crowds and saying, I'll heal you, but I won't heal you. I'll heal you, but I won't heal you. You've got too much sin in your life. You haven't, you haven't done enough confession. But I'll heal you because, you know, you've offered a sacrifice. Jesus, Jesus didn't lead the masses in a huge big confession session. You know. Okay, I, wanted, I just want to heal everyone, but before I do it, we all just have to confess all of our sins so that we can get right with God. And then, only then, can I heal you. Because you, now you're righteous. Because all your confession makes you righteous. My gosh, there's only one person that can make us righteous. His name is Jesus. There's only one thing that can make us righteous. If we're trying to be righteous by our performance, my goodness, never be righteous. If, you tr if we're trusting in our performance, we'll never be righteous. Jesus never led the crowds in confession sessions, but it says he healed all. He healed all the sick. Let me tell you, there was many in those crowds with sin. In fact, probably all of them. There was many that hadn't forgiven their brother. And he healed them. He still healed them. People say, oh, God can't heal you if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. So you have to make sure you forgive everybody from the start of your whole life to the end of your life. You have to come, you have to forgive everybody before God will forgive you. I don't see Jesus leading people in confession sessions and forgiving everybody before he'd heal them. If, if I've got to like go through and forgive every person, my confidence for God healing me, my faith for God healing me is not in God, it's not in the finished work of Christ, it's in myself. It's in my ability to confess and repent and get right. Now, of course, we should forgive people. Amen. We should forgive just as in Christ we have been forgiven. Amen. And sometimes if you will not forget, if you will not forgive someone, it's a sign that you actually don't understand grace. So it's not God won't heal you until you forgive them like a work. But actually, when you come into revelation of grace, you will forgiveness will actually you will actually forgive people when you understand grace. Amen. And 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 it's not you don't get healed because you forgive people. You get healed because you understand grace and you receive that healing through faith. See if if someone's done something really bad to me, they don't they probably don't deserve to be forgiven. Amen? I mean, if, if someone did something really, like they just came and they beat me up, or, you know, you can think of all the bad things people have done. People have done bad things to you, and maybe some of you are like, well, I could never forgive them. That was just too <laughs> terrible. It was too horrible. And they don't deserve to be forgiven. That's right. And neither did you. You did not deserve to be forgiven. If God gave you what you deserved, He would send you to hell. None of us deserve to be forgiven. That's the whole point of grace. We didn't deserve to be forgiven, and yet He forgave us anyway. Yes. And that person that did something terrible to you, they don't deserve to be forgiven. But you should do it anyway, because of grace. Yes. You should extend grace to them. Yes. You should release the grace of God to them. Yes. And in doing that, who knows, their lives might be transformed.
But see, if, if, if you don't, if you won't do that, it's a sign that, you know, you think they don't deserve to be forgiven, but I deserve to be forgiven. You're in works. Amen? So, so that's why this issue of forgiveness can sometimes be an issue that can hinder healing. But it's not a works issue. It's a faith issue. It's an understanding grace issue. We mustn't mix the two. A lot of the church mixes the two and then turns forgiveness into a work. Turns it into a performance to earn spiritual blessings. Healing. Can you, can you handle a few more minutes? You've got a few more minutes left in the tank? Slow. <laughs> hey? All right, a few more minutes. I'm just going to bring this, this one of healing home a bit. And then we're just going to release God's presence. Grace. Amen. Matthew 8, verse 16 to 17. Matthew 8, 16 to 17. It says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. This, this is the crowds bringing people to Jesus. Remember, Jesus, if you read before this, Jesus was at Simon Peter's house, his mother-in-law. And uh, she had a fever, and Jesus healed her. Didn't ask her to confess her, so he just, he just healed her. And, uh, and, and the word got around that Jesus was there, and that he was healing people. And so they brought, they brought the town. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word. A word. Can I say this? The, the, the more we understand grace, and the more faith we have, the less... The, the, the shorter our prayers are. Amen? The shorter our prayers are. It's like when we don't have faith and we don't understand grace, we, 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 we just pray these big, long prayers to try to twist God's arm, try to move God's arm, hoping. But when, you, when you're moving in faith, because you understand it's all through grace, you're walking in that, that realm, that revelation, you don't have to pray big, long, elaborate prayers. You just pray short prayers of faith. People get healed. Amen. Jesus drove out this demon with a word. Wouldn't you love to see that? You know, we do our four-hour deliverance sessions, and here's this demon asking us. Jesus just goes, "Go," and the thing goes. The disciples are like, "Goodness gracious, how'd you do that?" We tried one time. It took us four hours, and and. Uh, the demon beat us up and we ended up running out the house naked. <laughs> Jesus just said, go. I, I want to understand who this Jesus is. Finished work of Jesus. The power of his resurrection. All of God's riches available through the cross. With a word, he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. He healed all. Who was sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. That's speaking about the cross. At the cross, Jesus took up our infirmities. He, he took, it says, He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. See, not only did, was Jesus punished for our sins, not only did He carry our sin and our guilt and our shame and our condemnation. He, so that we could be forgiven and receive righteousness, He also took up our sickness, all of 
all of sickness was placed on Jesus. That's just like a bonus. That's the added bonus. Like, fantastic, we get forgiven and go to heaven. But while we're walking on earth, we can also walk in divine health. Supernatural healing is ours because of Jesus. Why? Because He took up our infirmities. I mean, why did He take them up if we can't access the benefit of that? What was the point of Him taking those up for us if we can't receive what He did for us? The reason He took up our sin was so that we could receive forgiveness. The reason He took up our sickness so that we could receive healing. Amen? And it's all because of the cross. It's all at the cross. Healing is in the atonement. Healing is in the cross. Healing is in grace. Amen. 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 And we can receive it. We can receive it through faith. See, the church just has just complicated it. We just complicate it. Well, I prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. So, you know, I don't know. It's probably not the will of God. And who was it their faith? Did I not have did, did I not have enough faith? Did they not have enough faith? I don't know. But you, you're complicating it. Don't ever build theology on your experience. By the way, experience is a really bad parent for theology. Well, I prayed for them and they didn't get healed. So obviously it's not God's will to heal them. Really? The disciples tried that one with Jesus in Matthew 17. Remember when they tried to get that little boy delivered, healed? And, and Jesus comes down from the mountain. And he's like, what's going on here? And the disciples are like, well, we tried, we tried to get him healed, but we couldn't, you know, we couldn't get him healed. You know, expecting Jesus to say, well, yeah, well, obviously it's not my will for this one to be healed. But yet, what did Jesus say? That, oh, oh. Perverted generation. <laughs> How much longer shall I be with you? <laughs> Did we say, oh, you should never make anyone feel bad for not having faith? And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we should. <laughs> but Jesus didn't seem to have a problem with that. They, they tried to get him healed and they couldn't. And Jesus' response was, oh, perverted generation. Adulterous and perverted not perverted, sexually perverted, but you've, you've, been, you've left truth. You've been perverted from truth, diverted, perverted from, from truth and believing and having faith in me. And you've just, you've gone into some, something weird. You know, perverted generation. How much longer shall I be with you? And then he says, bring the boy to me. And then he drives out the demon, heals the kid, and he's healed. Proving that it was God's will to heal him. And proving that don't, Form your theology based on your experience. Amen. Theology is formed through Christ, Amen. through the Word. He is the Word made flesh. Amen. He He revealed the will of God. He manifested the will of God. And the will of God was to heal all. Amen. The will of God was to heal that boy even when others couldn't get them healed. It was God's will. Jesus took up all of our infirmities at the cross. He took up all of our Sickness. Amen. He took up all of our sin. Not just some of it. He took up all of it so that we could receive forgiveness. He took up all of our sickness so that we could receive healing. Amen. Sickness and the devil doesn't, doesn't have some kind of sovereign right 
to bypass the cross and have authority in your life. It's all through the cross. If you're in Christ, you can receive everything that He has made available through grace. It's yours. You have a right to it. Amen? Preaching the Word of God here. And, and we've confused it. We've made it hard and difficult. The problem is never with God. The problem is always with us. Somehow. And I love the father of that boy. When, when Jesus healed the boy. The father said, I, I do, Jesus, Jesus said to the father, do you believe? He said, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. He admitted, no, you know what? I do actually have a bit of unbelief. Some people are like, oh, don't condemn me because I don't have faith. You know, I've got faith. Maybe just be humble. Maybe you don't have faith. Maybe you're trying to have faith. You've got a bit of faith. But you just need to say, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Help me to see Jesus. Help me to see the finished work. Help me to see Christ. Help me to see your will, Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. That's enough of that. I don't, I don't see everyone healed that I pray for and sometimes I don't get ill the flu <laughs> doesn't mean that it's not God's will doesn't mean that Jesus didn't carry it and doesn't mean I'm not going to go after sickness all the time I'm not going to go after try to get it healed all the time amen so I do see people being healed and, and I I hardly get sick. Anytime sickness tries to come on me, I rebuke it and tell it to go. I say it's got no right. It's got absolutely no right in my body. Jesus took up this infirmity, whatever it is. Jesus took it. He paid the price for it so that I could receive healing. Amen? Now let's... Can we play that music? Yeah. Why don't we just close our eyes? just receive. You can receive. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe just just down a little bit. Just in the background. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Our Savior. We just fix our eyes on you right now, Jesus. Father, we thank you. It's We don't have to relate to you through our works, through our sin, through our shame and our guilt. We get to relate to you through grace. Your finished work. We worship you, Jesus. We welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we welcome the atmosphere of heaven. Holy Spirit, would you come and just confirm the word, confirm your gospel. Come and confirm your word of grace. Fullness of grace. Father, we receive your love right now. You don't love us because of how we've performed, whether good or bad. 
love us through Jesus. You love us because we've become your children in Christ, your, your beloved, accepted in the beloved. Thank you, Father. You, right now, before we do anything, you love us. You're well pleased with us. You approve of us. Lord, we just, we believe that. Lord, we believe that you're absolutely in love with us. And we, we don't have any doubt about that, God. We've received the fullness of your love. You haven't restrained, restricted your love. You've just poured out the fullness of your love on us. Your unconditional love. Unmerited favor. Unearned favor. God, we are so aware of our weaknesses and our shortcomings. We could not earn it even if we tried for all eternity. It all comes through Christ. We thank you for your grace. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you. You're just, you're just charging the air with heaven's molecules, heaven's tangible atmosphere. More, more. We welcome, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Increase of your glory, the increase of your presence. is in you, Jesus. You earned it all for us and then you gave it to us as a gift. The full wealth of heaven. Like Pastor said before, it's not through sowing and reaping. It's through inheritance. <laughs> so much more superior than sowing and reaping. Father, we thank you for sowing and reaping. But we, also, we, we thank you more for inheritance that we receive all of your fullness all of your riches through inheritance through grace simply by believing right now Lord we receive we receive we receive we receive just put yourself in a posture to receive. We receive Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. But we thank you for your healing power that's here tonight, right now. 
Father, we thank you. We don't have to work it up. Tonight we confess Jesus. Our confession is Jesus. Our repentance is that we turn away from flesh and we turn to faith in Jesus. <laughs> Full faith in Christ. Him alone. We thank you that we are forgiven of all of our sins, past, present and future. Right now we're perfectly righteous. Perfect in righteousness. We couldn't be any more holy. We couldn't be any more perfect. Because we've received your gift of righteousness. And it is full righteousness. Nothing lacking. Not 99%. It's 100% the righteousness of God. And you've given it to us as a gift. And you, we've been made the righteousness of God. Right now we sit fully righteous. Fully holy. Seated in heavenly places. Seated in Christ Jesus. One with Christ. United with Christ. As He is, so are we in this world. We died and Christ now lives in us. The life we live, we live by faith in the Son of God. Who gave Himself up for us. Oh, Jesus. We co-heirs. Reigning with Christ. Seated with Christ. We couldn't get any closer to Him. We're already one with Him. We're already seated in Him. Forevermore. Forevermore. Jesus. Jesus, we love You. We honor You. We worship You. We glorify You. There is none like you, Jesus. No other name by which we must be saved. No other Savior. The uncreated God. Infinite God. Eternal God. Who one day is returning. And all of the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of Christ. He will reign as King. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Declare Jesus Christ is Lord. Man can be haughty and proud, proud now. But one day every knee will bow to the King of Kings. Jesus is coming back soon to take His rightful place. For all eternity we will be with Him. Thank you for supernatural transformation right now in hearts and minds. We thank you for the tangible atmosphere of grace, supernatural grace operating right now in our hearts, in our minds, transforming us from revelation to transformation, transforming us by your grace, deepening, 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 strengthening, establishing, making firm, refreshing. Even now we speak the refreshing of grace upon each person here. Why don't you just receive that? Just breathe in. Breathe in His refreshing. Breathe in His peace. 
Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave you. We receive your peace, Jesus, the King of Kings. When, his, when the government is upon his shoulders, there will be an increase of peace. Because, because his kingdom, in, within, within his kingdom, there is peace. Because Jesus is the king. He's the king of his domain. And he guards his boundaries. And the demonic does not have the right to come into his kingdom. To come within his boundaries and just do whatever it wants. It does not have the right because Jesus is king. And when the government is on his shoulders, there is an increase of peace. And when his kingdom comes into our life, when the authority of the King of Kings and the dominion of His kingdom, when it comes into our life, into our, and our body and our minds and our hearts and our souls, there is an increase of peace. And all of that activity that is demonic and harassing and tormenting and tempting and all of that stuff has to bow the knee. It cannot exist within His dominion, within His kingdom. It has to go. Sickness has to go. When his kingdom comes. When Jesus drove out a demon, one day he said, the kingdom of God has come. When the dominion of the king comes, demons have to go. Sickness has to go. Oppression has to go. Demonic activity has to go. Temptation has to go. Poverty has to go. Torment has to go. And peace comes. We receive your kingdom, Jesus. We receive your peace right now. It's increasing. <laughs> Can you feel that? Welcome. Welcome. You welcome the glory of the King of Kings. It's just increasing right now across this place. Can you just feel that? Those that wait 
on the Lord will renew their strength. He renews our strength like the youth. Like the youth. Renews our vigor. Renews our strength. Renews our vision. Renews our passion. with the Lord. He wraps himself around them. And he exchanges our weaknesses for his strength. He takes our weakness and he gives us his strength. Not because of anything we've ever done, but simply because of his grace. Because of what Jesus did for us. It's not our performance. It truly is his
we're going we're gonna to pray for healing in a minute. Let me just drop it down a little bit. We're going to pray for healing in a minute, but I just I just want to pray if there's any um, any pastors or just anyone here that you, you, you feel just like there's been a witchcraft operating in your life, not coming from you, but it's, it's opposition that's come against you. It could be people that are opposing you, buffeting you, um, challenging you, and just in a like a rebellious way, a haughty spirit um, that's just trying to intimidate you. You felt that intimidation. You felt the enemy trying to silence your voice. Um, you felt just people that are coming against you. It's not. It's not that pure spirit. There's there's an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit behind them that's just trying to attack you and harass you. You know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers. And um, you know when we when we come up against that 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 witchcraft, it's um, sometimes it can just bring like a, a real cloud of confusion over our thoughts, over our mind, and we we, we just we don't know what the right thing to do is. We, we we struggle to make decisions. We struggle to be clear and decisive about the vision and about what we to do. And we're tentative and we can we can back off and um, some some. Often people don't even realize what's going on. They just know that there's that cloudiness. But somewhere, it's often a spirit of witchcraft, Jezebel thing that's trying to come against you. Um, just someone attacking you. Um, and you don't have to tolerate it. Amen. We can stand together with you. We can stand together and break that thing off you. I just feel there's a spirit right now that just wants to break witchcraft. Of people and, and just break it off you like break off that confusion and to give you renew that your strength so that you can stand up with fresh vigor and authority and lead with authority amen so if 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 that is you and please no one has to be embarrassed you know sometimes I walk through this thing it's just it's because we're in the ministry <laughs> and we're, we're doing our best to serve God and the devil does not like that and, and he tries to stop us and tries to intimidate us and silence us and get us to back off. And tonight, let's let's stand together as one people. Don't, don't stand, but let's let's agree together as one people on behalf of each other. And if there's anyone that's walking through that, we together as, as a people, a family, want to stand on behalf of them and pray for them and break that, those spirits off, break that attack off them and see that fresh vigor coming. Amen. So if, if that is you, and you know you're facing that kind of stuff in your life, um, I'm going to ask you in a, in a minute to stand up. Okay, don't do it right now. But uh, if that is you, then I, I really want you to stand when I ask you to stand. And we're going to agree together with supernatural breaking. You know, we don't have to do a four-hour session. <laughs> Amen. We don't have to do a confession session. We've been fixing our eyes on Jesus. And the power to break that thing off you doesn't come from the Lord, comes from Jesus. Amen. The Spirit of God is going to identify that thing and just, just send it away. We don't have to pray for hours. It's just, it's, it's probably already broken. <laughs> and it's breaking right now. And you're going to find, as the thing breaks, you're going to find a burden lift off your shoulders. Because that thing is a heavy burden. Ugh, life is just difficult. You're going to find that lifting and the ease is, you're going to breathe. 
going to find a, a refreshing to breathe and an ease and lightness coming to you. It doesn't mean life's going to get be easy or just suddenly just be all easy. No, you're still going to have to walk and stand and fight and resist and be on your guard, be alert, and have authority. Um, but but if you if that is you and you're in that place and you can feel that, we want to pray for you. Brothers and sisters want to pray for you. So won't you just if that is you in any kind of a a way, won't you just stand right now? Please don't be embarrassed. Yeah, just stand. Okay? Sometimes it just takes the first person to stand. We're not going to focus on you. We're focusing on Jesus. Let's just focus on Jesus right now. If that is you, you're facing that kind of thing, that witchcrafting, oppressive thing, trying to silence you and intimidate you, confusing you weighing you down, then I just want you to stand. We're going to pray for you right now. It's going to be quick. It's going to be quick because it's going to be supernatural and that's going to break off you. All right, there's a few people standing. I'm just going to give it a little bit longer. Don't be embarrassed. Just just stand. doesn't matter if, if you're in leadership and you're facing that. You think, oh, no, someone's going to see me standing. They're going to think I'm weak. It's, this isn't about weakness. Paul, the apostle, faced this. <laughs> and he said, I'll, I'll just boast in my weakness. I'll just, I'll just be weak and I'll just boast in my weakness because in my weakness he is made strong. And there was demonic assignments come, coming against him to buffet him. God said, my grace, my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. Because in my grace, all of my riches flow into your life. So don't, don't be embarrassed at all. Just stand up and boast in your weakness. <laughs> We're all weak, so maybe we should all stand up. But... But you know what I'm talking about. If, if you're going through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if that is you, don't, don't wait till you get home. Don't come to me after the meeting. After this meeting, I'm not going to pray for anyone to break off witchcraft. We're doing it now, okay? We're doing it right now. So if that is you, please just stand. All right. I wonder if the, the people that are standing, could, could some of the people that are standing, sitting around them, let's just reach out our hand. Why don't you just stand up and gather around them and just just reach out your hand. Pray for them. Right now, we release, we release the Spirit of God. You can just stand around them. Just lay your hands on them. If that is you, just, just receive right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of life. Spirit of victory. Spirit of authority. Come right now. We take authority over witchcrafting spirits over those demonic opposing spirits. We take authority over them right now in the name of Jesus and we break their power and we command them to go right now in Jesus' name. We speak a release, a release, a release, a release. That's it. That's it. Right now, right there, in Jesus' name, we speak that release. We release you right now in the name of Jesus. We say, let that thing lift off them, those burdens. Let them lift off. Lift off those burdens and bring peace and strength. Right now, Holy Spirit. Clouds of confusion, let them be blown away. And let clarity come. HD, HD clarity. 4K, HD clarity. Vision. Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, just stand a little bit longer and just receive. Holy Spirit's ministering to you. Just receive it. Thank you, 
wonderful. All right. All right, can we all just sit down again? It's wonderful. What's the time? 8.30. 8.30. All right. Who can handle like five or ten more minutes? Not my preaching. We're going to pray for the sick right now. Okay? So if you have any kind of any kind of sickness in your body, you want to believe God for healing right now in His presence. And I just want you to stand. Just go ahead and stand. Any kind of healing. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if you've prayed a thousand times, a million times. You need God to release healing to your body right now. If that is you, then stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Alright. I was going to get people to lay hands, but it's, it's a lot of us. We're all pretty sick people here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, praise God. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Let's just reach into that realm. Receive your healing tonight. Lord, we thank you for grace. We fix our eyes on Jesus and the grace of God. We thank you that it's all through the finished work. That Jesus, you carried our sins and you carried our sickness. So we could receive your forgiveness and your healing. So right now, we just receive all that grace has made available. We receive it through faith. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. All sickness goes. We just command sickness right now to go. We say you have no rights. You have no rights. Jesus' name, sickness goes. Healing comes. Jesus, we just thank you tonight for it. Who can, who can immediately feel some healing? Something in their body has changed. You can feel healing. Just wave your hand if you can feel God's touched, touched you. Wonderful, wonderful. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, are we going to continue tomorrow? And do any of you guys want to say anything right now? Want to close? Yeah, I, I just would like to take this opportunity. Uh, because... Today it's my dad's birthday. Passage is So I would like to go uh, Ryan to uh, just declare the blessing over him. And Pastor Joseph, Pastor uh, Mel, Pastor Jimmy. Yes. Can we sing happy birthday? Yeah. After the prayer, we will sing. Father, we just thank you for this man of faith that has a wonderful, deep revelation of grace and has just been standing up and preaching it in the Philippines and in other parts of the world. And Lord, we just speak the blessing of God over Pastor Junior. We thank you for this man and his family, for the churches that he's planted and the leaders that he's raised up and the gift of God that is on his life and the heart that he has, the love that he has. And Father, we're just so grateful and thank you for him. We just bless him. Lord, we just speak a year of favor over him. 
over his ministry, over his family, over the churches. We just speak a year of harvest. We speak a year of increase. We speak a year of multiplied fruitfulness. We speak a year of grace. Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for some of the desires that are in his heart, even those deep desires, some of the things that have not come true yet, that he's dreaming about, that he's believing God for. We pray for a fulfillment this year. This year, in Jesus' name, supernatural fulfillment. Go beyond what he's asking and imagining. We thank you that your grace goes beyond what we can even ask or imagine, what our faith can even ask or imagine. You can go beyond that. We pray you go beyond that in his life. Lord, we just love him. We bless him right now and we celebrate the day that he was born. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Amen.